If you had a spaceship, how would you design it? Like, what shape would it be? Well, probably a big circle. It wouldn't be a giant insect exoskeleton? Or maybe a flying disc of some sort? Well, no, like I said, a big circle, so that is like a flying disc. Okay, so why? Because I've seen so many shows do the flying disc format. Well, that's kind of the point. Like it. So you just copy someone else's format? Well, yeah. If it's a big flying disc, I'd like to fly around in a circle. I don't know why I want like, a big insect thing like you were talking about. Well, I've also seen that, too. Like, in Doctor Who, in this show, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, one of the ships that they're trying to tow is, like, a giant insect skeleton, and it looks evil. Yeah, but I'm more talking about the big ships that house other ships. Well, in this episode, the actual insect ship was bigger than the two ships, the two circular ships. Did it hold two circular ships? (laughs) I, I don't know how many ships it held. It was basically a transport vessel that had a lot of people cryogenically frozen inside and they were not able to actually move the ship at all and something had happened which made it so that they had to be saved. Okay. Okay. But let's talk a bit about the show. Uh, First off, we're not Trekkies, so we're not like huge Star Trek fans. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be to enjoy the episode. They only mention a few things that are like they're obviously wearing the Star Trek uniforms. Yeah. Well, from from what I've read, like there's a lot of Easter eggs that like deep Star Trek people will get from this. Exactly. So you can be either type of fan. Yeah. And they also do like sarcastic Vulcan signs and stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So season one, episode four is called Moist Vessel. And I know a lot of people don't like the word moist. So it's funny how they actually went with that. Well, I'm sure they're going with like a sarcastic tone because this is a cartoon. So, yeah, it's a cartoon. I'm going to read the description. Captain Carol Freeman seeks vindictive payback after her daughter Beckett Mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew. She basically yawns in the middle of a meeting like continuously. And then a well-meaning tendee, that's another character who's green, accidentally messes up a lieutenant's attempt at spiritual ascension and tries to make it right. So ascension being sort of the Buddhist type of once you die, you no longer, if you're like freed from your sins and you don't have to keep on living a different life, you basically ascend and know everything about everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. But this is some guy on a ship who's able to do that because he's just been very meditative for many years. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and she wanted to be part of that process, this tendee. there have been a lot of space shows over the last few years. Like, I was able just to think about them, and I made a list. Like, you got Final Space, which is obviously going to be compared to this show, yeah. because they're both cartoons. And they both, I think, got critically acclaimed, right? Yeah, well, well, actually, this show isn't critically acclaimed. It has a 5.6 on IMDb, with just under 2,500 reviews. But it does have a rotten, or it does have a tomato, sorry, on Rotten Tomatoes with 67%. And Vulture gave it, like, a just a very praised review with five out of five so it's like this thing is like people feel a different way about it Mm -hmm. that's cool it's galvanized the public um so then we've also got other space and night flyers which was a horror show that only lasted a season by like george r r martin you had uh expanse another life which i think is horrible i i I don't (laughs) like that show that much it's not that interesting. it's another life the one with katie sackoff yeah, and she was good in Battlestar Galactica, but in Which this is show, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that one's from earlier. I'm just talking about ones from like the last few years. Mm-hmm. We have Mars, which is more of a documentary style, which is talking about the terraforming of Mars and living there yep. in the future. Uh, Avenue Five, which came out on HBO this year, yeah, and to not great reviews, mediocre but, yeah. reviews. It had its moments. It was kind of a more of a comedy. 
and then um, um, other space, right? I already said that one. And then you had Lost in Space, which this opening to the episode reminded me a lot of it. The music I'm choice. Sure they're that they taking, did with yeah, it. I'm sure they're taking some inspiration from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, uh, so before we get into the plot, plot, uh, let me just ask you: What are your thoughts on nuking Mars? Okay, have you've heard of that, right? No. Okay, so like a few years ago, Elon Musk went on to a late night talk show and talked about how to basically terraform Mars, we would nuke the hell out of it, raising the heat, um, causing CO2 with like greenhouse gases to proliferate around the planet so it would become livable for plants and humans and oxygen would be produced and we would be able to live there in the future, right? Uh, Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, a lot of people came out saying like nuking is a drastic measure that could have significant other fallout than just the radiation. Well, yeah, the whole entire point, I feel like, of climate change is like you shouldn't be like doing things like that. Well, because the atmosphere is so different there, it doesn't have any, it's too cold, first of all. So we do have to heat up the planet. So we kind of have to do what we're doing here and what we're doing too much of here and do it over there. But we don't have the ability to do that type of thing yet. And a lot of projections say we wouldn't be able to do it for a good few hundred years oh, okay. before it would actually start, impl- like the process would actually, actually work. Actually, yeah, okay. Yeah, and the reason I'm talking so much about this is because you have movies like Interstellar and WALL-E, which are all talking about how we've basically screwed up our planet and we're looking for other places to live. For it's too late, yeah. Yeah, and in WALL-E, they just came back to Earth. But in Interstellar, they were literally looking at planet to planet, and they didn't even look really at Mars, which was kind of a question to a lot of people who were thinking about it scientifically, because that would be a really close place as opposed to jumping through wormholes. There were a lot of people that were looking at Interstellar with scientific lenses and being like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But Yeah, I'm not going to touch the ending (laughs) or whatever. Um, Anyway, so the ship that I was talking about, the one with cryogenic, like Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt stuck on it or whatever. Passengers. Yeah. Um, They had this terraforming substance. I think it was called an emulsion. And at the very beginning of the episode, we get basically an info dump through a PowerPoint that the captains are talking about Mm -hmm. from the two ships that are going to end up towing this thing. And they've got this futuristic goo on the ship that's gotten loose and is starting to in like contaminate everything. And the thing is that it touches anything that isn't, carbon-based life and turns it into like uh, a plant so like it'll turn metal into a plant it'll turn anything but force fields and human humans into plants right yeah so the ship is infected they have to move it without actually getting on the ship so they're going to use these like teleport rays or something and uh, they have to be really careful with it one of the captains durango says it's a very delicate procedure even the slightest flux and stabilization could damage the tractor beams. And so, like, immediately when you hear that at the beginning of the episode, you're like, they're going to damage those tractor beams, yeah. and this thing is going to just go crazy. Um, yeah, so that is that part of the show. That's the most scientific part of it. Then we have the more relationship part of the show, which is between Captain Carol Freeman and her daughter Beckett. And this show, like... Um Mike McMahon, who uh, kind of worked on the show, he was a head writer for Rick and Morty, said that he wanted to focus on the social aspects of the show. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about now with the mother and the daughter. True, but I think they did a good job in this episode combining the two. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so 
basically the mom is upset with how the daughter acted in the middle of the meeting. She's an ensign. And Mariner's friends, Tendi, Boimir, and Rutherford are all ensigns, and they kind of live in these bunk beds in the middle of the ship, the, like the lowest of the low workforce. Yeah. Okay, so two of Mariner's friends, Tendi and Boimir, um, who we'll get into who plays them later on, but uh, they're really high energy and super caffeinated. So <laughs> like they're the type of cartoon character that's just bouncing all around the screen yeah. and can get really annoying really fast if you spend too much time with their character yeah and that was kind of an issue with when i watched it with watching tendy until the end where i think they definitely pulled it off um and so mariner is kind of the opposite of those people she's lazy but she's smart she hates responsibility so she kind of goes out of her way not to do the work that she's supposed to and she has this teenage insolence that she kind of shows her mom okay. all the time uh her punishment is to start doing these shitty jobs like um holodeck waste removal which is just yeah. like yeah their feces yeah, and stuff that's I not great. Yeah. yeah and she, the captain wants her to quit like just give up because she's upset with her and she finds a way to make it fun like she starts doing these competitions with all these other like workers there yeah and then i'm going to jump over the tendy storyline tendy we said is going to this ascension meeting that's going on where this guy is literally in a meditative like space sitting on uh, pillows and may, working on like a sand sculpture he'd been crafting for years and she comes in there with her high energy and just interrupts the process destroys the sand thing and immediately like everything goes crazy oh, and, haywire. and, and yeah. he gets really upset obviously. I would imagine, yeah. he's no longer in a state where he can ascend and uh, she spends the rest of the episode following him around trying to make up for it but that just pisses him off more because she's a constant reminder of everything he worked for getting destroyed right yeah. Um, and so Mariner's mom, seeing that she, that Beckett or Mariner isn't like learning from her right, mistake, mistake yeah. uh, she promotes her. She promotes her to lieutenant, realizing that that is actually more torture uh, to that's Mariner. Actually, okay. Yeah, it's, it's crafty, but you've seen it before. And so now she has to attend all these audit meetings and do audits of audits, a bunch of desk job duty. And then she has to listen to her mom. It, she has to hang out with all the other lieutenants, and that includes listening to her mom do scat, <laughs> like on the ship. And then wait, what scat? Like scat, do 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 do, like rhyming, but oh god, really bad. yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also like attend the poker game, but not actually. So they have okay, like, yeah, because this because this uh, show was based off of a Next Generation episode, and you're saying things in it that were definitely close to this Next Generation episode. That, Tell me a little uh, bit more about that. So uh, it was based uh, Lower Decks off the the name was based off of the episode as well. Um, it was Star Trek Next Generation Lower Decks, and in this episode, it's been critically acclaimed as one of the best ones. Um, just because it didn't focus a lot on the main characters. It focused on just four kind of minor characters, and it's been praised a lot for its dramatic heft, kind of, and the fact that, you know, they were able to make interesting characters. Seto um, was a character that we had seen on Star Trek Next Generation for, I believe, a couple episodes, and in the end, when it came down to it all, she was in a fight trying to get a promotion with another lower deck member called Sam Lavelle. And in the end, uh, she went on this dangerous mission, Cedo, and she ends up dying because she was trying to prove that she was worthy of the position. And uh, Sam Lavelle gets the promotion, but it's supposed to be really sad because, you know, we lost a character that we knew for episodes. And that's why it's been like 
called one of the best episodes of the whole series. So they took a deeply dramatic episode and decided to turn it into sort of a comedy cartoon? Yeah, a little bit. And they, in the episode, they play poker. So it sounds like they're kind of touching upon things in a different way with this cartoon. I guess. How did that really fit in with the full storyline of Star Trek Next Generation? Well, it, w it really was the first episode or one of the first episodes to kind of include secondary characters and really make them fleshed out. Mm -hmm. So a lot I know of it had always been a joke that like some like, what was it that red shirts die? Yeah, because okay. they're like unimportant and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And these are all red shirts. Uh, yeah, I believe so in the episode and um but i think that the reason they made it into a cartoon is because uh, like i said mike mcmahon uh, who works on the show is a head writer of rick and morty so he's kind of comfortable with that position mm -hmm. and he was able and to with cartoons in general yeah and and so he wanted to inspire kind of this show off of that in general because he's a huge fan of star trek as well yeah so. well this show wasn't um it was it was pg but it didn't shy away from the action. So I'm just gonna give it the rest of the synopsis. You had Durango, the captain of the other ship who was helping tow this emulsion ship or whatever with the captain of the main ship that has Mariner on it, her mom. <laughs> and Durango gets petty and he decides to not listen to his own advice about being careful. He pulls the ship too fast and the emulsion matter gets out and starts infecting both the ships. And by doing that, it like it's literally engulfing the ships in a matter of seconds and everywhere is exploding. People are just bursting through the entire ship. Places are turning into water and like oh, wow. people okay. yeah. drowning and dying and stuff. So in this climactic frenzy, you have Captain Freeman and Mariner having to work together to save everyone. And, you know, they're bickering constantly because you've had this dynamic from the get-go. Right. Um, and we see Mariner show that she's smart enough and cool enough under pressure to actually do her job, which impresses her mom. And then they get into an argument about that. <laughs> On the other hand, you have Tendi, the green uh, girl. Yep. And she's with the lieutenant, and they're being blasted around the ship, and she has to end up saving his life a few times, and so they end up having this bond, and she admits to him that the real reason she's been annoying him is because she just wants him to, well, sorry, yeah, wants him to like her. Oh, okay. Like, it wasn't really because she was into the idea of ascension, but it was more she doesn't like when other people don't like her. And then he confides back into her that he was never planning to ascend, that it was just something that he wanted to be known for for a while. And then it became so long that he had been meditating. He was afraid people were going to catch on that he actually didn't care too much. <laughs> and so he used her as an excuse to say that her interruption caused him to never ascend. Right. And so they, are, they both end up kissing after admitting that they're both jerks. <laughs> And then uh, so they forgive each other in that way. Yeah. yeah. So things are getting really drastic at this point, and he has to sacrifice himself for her. But right as he does, the mom and the daughter uh, Mariner basically save the day. They get to the top of the ship. They identify exactly what the emulsion matter is made up of, and that's something I want to give credit to the show for doing because, like I guess Star Trek, they're able to give us a lexicon of terms that is more impressive than say avenue five which is also a space show yeah. but like with hugh laurie it was more just about stupid comedy than actually making up terms that sound scientific and actually having those elements play yeah, a factor and that, and that is hard for a lot of tv shows to do and make it sound believable even if it is in an outlandish situation mm -hmm. so they save the day everywhere that was emulsified in this stuff turns back into regular ship however that's done <laughs> And uh, the person who was the lieutenant sacrificing himself, he ends up being okay. 
so they're like hugging it out and then he's like oh my god oh my god and he starts like actually ascending and i guess because of how much time he had spent actually fake meditating (laughs) she starts doubting like oh my god it's actually working like he starts floating up and turning blue and it looks really cool and then (laughs) by sacrificing himself he had also done something that caused that to like be the final motivator for him to actually ascend and then he starts going like ow ow and you see like this burning stuff happening to him and he just starts screaming wanting it to stop and then he's turning super bright and he's like i'm everywhere i'm nowhere we're all going back we're all in the back of a giant koala and then they show this koala and he's like why is it smiling <laughs> and then he starts screaming more and then the secret of life is and then he burns it's up okay of course and yeah yeah and it was that was probably the funniest moment of the entire episode and it also made it worth the entire adventure because up until that point it had just been like really we're just going to follow two characters who annoy each other and then they're just going to kiss at the end yeah that final part kind of reminds me of this is the end when the characters like are going up in the blue and then james franco starts to like act like a really bad sport and then dies because he like was Mm -hmm. really ignorant about it and i noticed at the end the episode guest starred Haley Joel Osment, mm-hmm. Os- whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, this, this show has a lot of uh, famous people in it. Yeah, so. but I think that was him, because that uh, guy was only in one episode, and I expected him to be a well, main character. it makes sense wasn't. that you say Haley Joel Osment is in it, because he was also in The Boys, and Jack Quaid, who plays and Future Brad. Man. Yeah, but, but he's in a lot of, like, space shape but, shows as well. Yeah, but Jack Quaid, who played Brad, was in The Boys as well, so I think that there was probably a connection there. So. Yeah, they probably knew of each other, but that's not the only connection, as as we can get into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got Tawny Newsome and Eugene Cordero, basically the two main characters, except for Eugene Cordero's character had a bit part. He was kind of jealous that um, Mariner got the uh, uh, promotion. promotion. Yeah, and he's always a stickler, and he's trying to get up the ropes. He's the opposite of Mariner in that fact. Yeah. Uh, but they're both from Bajillion Dollar Properties. Obviously, we know Eugene Cordero from Tacoma FD, the previous podcast yeah. we did with him. Other Space. With him? <laughs> yeah, he was on the show. You didn't know. <laughs> uh, other Space, The Mandalorian, yeah. So, but uh, Other Space, that's a big one because it's like you're literally going from one space show to the next. But that's not as big as Tawny Newsom, where she's literally playing an astronaut in Space Force with Steve Carell. And <laughs> yeah. now she's in this show starring Eddie here. And I actually preferred her character here because it felt just uh, well yeah and space force wasn't that greatly reviewed and we saw the first episode actually i i didn't mind space force too bad it was just that this character feels like it's her main role yeah so she's the star of it and we also supposed to like her more we we also have jerry o'connor from uh who plays jack ransom obviously from sliders billions car he's been a ton of stuff and sliders is a lot like this show in a way too because they bounce around worlds and do a lot of different star trek type stuff we also have people that are like maybe aren't name famous but have been in a ton like fred tetescore who is a fan who plays tetescore i think that's how you pronounce it i'm probably butchering it but he's he's like a very famous voice actor and has done a ton of different stuff frozen star wars the force awakens that's the name of very very few but um, yeah so i just wanted to say the cgi was good the characters were funny the story was entertaining i would give it a solid b and so I am a little surprised that it was ranked as low as, high, like, what, 5.7 or something you said on IMDb? Yeah, 5.6. Uh, was there a character... It went down one. <laughs> was there a character that played, uh, that name was Andy Billups? There may have been. I didn't jot it down. Um, it, he may have been the... No, the one-eyed guy was someone else, maybe. I yeah, well, Andy Billups was played by Paul Shear. Um, but the whole entire point of the show is to make it, like, 
very, very expansive in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, I get that. They even brought in someone to make sure everything they were doing was canon. Um, you have to, though, with this type of show. And it's it, Star Trek is just so big, and it has so many fans that if you do like the wrong type of move, then they will jump on it. Yeah, and you mentioned the music earlier. Chris Wallace um, was actually the composer of the whole series, and he worked with McMahon on um, Solar Opposites. But Star Trek has actually been made, like, a ton of series for it ten times. Well, yeah, you still have Star Trek Discovery out there right now. Yeah, but, like, it started in 1966 and 1969 with, obviously, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. And then got a cult following, um, and they did an animated series in 1973 to 1974, which... So this isn't the first animated series that they've done. Then it went to Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, a ton of movies as well. Yeah, the Wikipedia has its own like filmography for yeah, star trek ventures it's and stuff. absolutely insane <laughs> um because the because this show three shows of star trek have been released in the past like i'd say four years and there's other ones in development it kind of reminds me a lot of the star wars what they did kind of with disney don't, like don't don't compare the two or else we're gonna well, get real bad well news. <laughs> i only i only do that because nickelodeon is coming out with a show called prodigy so star trek Prodigy. it's it's like the equivalent of marvel and dc right if yeah, you, you always want to see Marvel versus DC. You'd love to see that movie, right? right you're never going to. <laughs> but you're never going to see a Star Wars versus Star Trek actually plausible in, oh, that'd be in the universe. Yeah, because yeah. one happened a long time ago, and one happened a long time in the future. <laughs> yeah. so, so it wouldn't make that much sense unless there was time travel. Maybe, that yeah, but that would be hard. Yeah, you should write a pilot for that. <laughs> I'm sure it would get like. I need I need like three hundred million dollars to do it. Three hundred million dollars for a pilot? I think that's a, that's a little expensive. I think. A- anyways, though, Whoopi Goldberg has uh, gone a petition. <laughs> Wait, that, that transition well, it went I'm, from three hundred dollar pilot to Whoopi Goldberg. Three hundred million dollar. How much? Yeah, how but, much is she gonna get paid? <laughs> well, maybe a lot because she's gone a petition to show up on the show because she showed up, I believe, on Next Generation and has been called one of the best characters on the whole entire thing. Did and, she play herself? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be something. Uh, but actually, something interesting happened where uh, Patrick Stewart asked her specifically to come and guest star on a show called The Card that he's starring in. Yeah, that's in. a big show right now. Yeah, like, and, and uh, so she came on there, and then people were like, well, let's get her on this animated show because we really, really want to have her. So, <laughs> Well, do you think the animated show is going to get another few seasons? It's on CBS All Access, and they've tried a number of shows that have gone for a while. Like, no activity well, with CBS All Access. Right? Yeah, I mean, CBS All Access came to them and was like, look, you're going to get two seasons straight off the bat. So oh. the, each they season, told them. Yeah. Each yeah, season that's is how going, you do it. Each season is going to be 10 episodes long, um, but I'm not sure how well it's necessarily doing in ratings, like, viewership-wise. No. I wanted to ask, though, between, like... Because this is titled Adult Animation. Like, it's supposed to kind of be an adult comedy. Yeah, it's for, it's for kids. You okay. can watch this as a kid. But in terms of, like, quality content, what would you compare this closer to animated-wise? Um, see, I actually found that um, Final Space is more of a kid show just because it had giant like green bouncy balls yeah. but i think that that isn't it rated like stronger TV 14 yeah. yeah so pg is a less rating yeah so i i think that that should be flipped maybe okay but at the same time there's nothing in this episode besides just full-out action like the biggest thing that you get is a kiss and they don't really swear 
So yeah, that's, that's where uh, I that's, land. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just the episode that I watched, but and uh, also because it's only the fourth episode was released, there's a chance the IMDb might change over time. Maybe. So yeah. maybe it improves. And they wanted to set it after Nemesis, the Star Trek movie that came out in 2002, because that again is the creator's like favorite episode, and it's set in 2380. And the show was set to have like a lot of big things happen in the back, like. Oh, yeah, so when I compared the CGI, I, I'm not sure if this is what you mean, but they were able to do dimensional differences, which you're not much able to do with cartoons, at least in the past, yeah. so that they, like, blur the background, so it actually does look a little 3D-ish. Okay, yeah. yeah but, well, so what, some stuff is happening in the back. Yeah, they were meant, what I meant was that, like, obviously Star Trek focuses on the main characters, not the lower deck, so they meant to have, like, kind of these huge, like, stories that were happening in the background cool. while this yeah. stuff was supposed to, you know, be, like, just kind of not as big. But that it sounds goes, like they were having, like... That goes back to the, the Easter eggs you were talking about before. Yeah, like, real fans will really appreciate the work that they're putting um, in the details. Uh, but actually, COVID did hit during the time that they were filming, so they had to move it to remote like locations, and the staff had to filming, work from home. Filming, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a I mean, like, show. they can yeah, just but, do the voices from their house. From yeah, their but home the, and, and that's what they said was one of the hardest things to do. Really? Yeah, but I feel like it would be the hardest for the editors who have to do that work and then have to tell themselves to remain working when they have all that free time yeah but they did say that like really COVID didn't affect the thing too much in fact okay uh, so it went from affecting it a lot to not affecting well it too much. there was challenges obviously because mm-hmm. they didn't have things open but it didn't affect it too much and the second season has already started to have like writing for it so. and how many episodes are going to be in this season 10 okay all right so there's still about halfway to go um, at the very end of the episode, Mariner gets demoted back to her original position. She kind of embarrasses her mom at the end the same way where she's making fun of this admiral's voice in front of the admiral. And uh, she did it on purpose, and now she's with her friends again. And so they kind of don't move anywhere too much with the storyline, but you can still tell the relationships have been built, which is nice. Um, I think that that gives a good cover of what the episode was about, and you did a good job explaining the background of the show. Thank you. So let's uh, end it here and tune in next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.